Good morning, Vietnam! I don't think that was nearly as good as Robin Williams. But welcome to episode 8 of the Black Sheep Podcast. I am your fantastic host, Jessica, (laughs) and my hot Asian wife over here to my left. I'm Jen. Today's topic of discussion, which some of you are going to find very triggering, is body positivity. I guess we should start with the disclaimer that this episode and all episodes are from our views, our hearts only, and not representative of anybody else. Mm-hmm. And I've been fat. We all- <laughs> <laughs> I've been fat, so... Me too. I mean, I feel pretty yeah. fat today, actually. I have my, <laughs> have my period. I, Jen's been baking a lot, so I'm definitely up probably about seven pounds. So I'm feeling like I've got some of my own obesity issues going on right now. So, Well, we both have our own histories, and we're going to share more about our own histories, our stories as well, so we can give some context to our perspective. Um, But we thought maybe we'd just start this podcast around talking about what body positivity means, and then going a little bit more in depth around our stories and um, how the culture around this is shifting. Um, I'll, I'll leave it there. So why don't you read about the body positivity? Okay, so this is um, <clears throat> this is written. This is from a website, very well mined, um, and it is written. Uh, the topic is what is body positivity, and it's medically reviewed by an MD named Claudia Chavez. So you know it's real, and you know it's definitely advice you should take. Um, Body positivity also means, get this, enjoying the body that you have and not beating yourself up over changes that happen naturally due to aging, pregnancy, or lifestyle choices. I already have to stop because I'm already irritated by this. I haven't even gotten past the first paragraph and I'm already super irritated because I've been pregnant and... You know what? Eating chili from Tim Hortons and frozen pizza while you're pregnant doesn't help your baby and it doesn't help you beat the odds of not becoming fat while pregnant. I didn't do myself any favors while I was pregnant. I worked 12, 14 hours a day. I didn't have any help. I was working out of in Toronto, I, I, it was not a great experience for me. But with that said, I can recognize that I could have made different choices. I could have made different, I could, I had a lot of money. I could have ordered things. Like I could have done things way different. It was just a matter of not being fully awake to all the things. Of course, you just can't do everything all at once. But like, that's my fault. And that didn't help. You're not eating for two. Your baby's the size of a fucking pea. And I'm eating like, like, you know what I mean? And you have all these women that are like, oh, I need to eat. Um, I'm eating for two. It's like your baby is the size of a, the pit of a fucking peach today. You don't need to eat two fucking Big Macs, okay? Guess what? Like, and they just, women just get so fat. And I actually got up to, I think, 180 pounds in my last few weeks of pregnancy so a lot of that was water for sure but I'm like 130 pounds so 180 pounds is very 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 heavy like that's absurd and you know what that was a 
bitch to get off. So I'm, I'm just speaking from experience. But when you read these things that tell women, it's okay. It's infuriating because it's not okay. We should be teaching women that they shouldn't be getting fat. Your baby is the side of a fucking nut and you don't need to eat that. You could eat, you should eat this because getting it off is going to be... Well, educating over nourishment and what is healthy versus just saying, no, 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 you're okay the way you are. Which, yeah, exactly. I, I get, I no, get what they're okay. saying. You're not okay the way you are. I'm sorry, but this whole idea that you're okay the way you are is wrong. I've been fat and I didn't feel okay the way I was. And I know that fat people out there do not get up in reality, look in the mirror and say, damn girl, I look good. Because they don't and they know it. And that's why everybody that's fat tries to lose weight. There, that's my fucking, that's a, that's a mic drop reel right there. Um, okay. So Instagram played a pivotal role in the rise of the body positivity movement. In recent years, a number of magazines and companies have incorporated efforts to be more body positive in their publications and marketing efforts. Some magazines have stopped airbrushing models while companies including Dove and Airy have developed marketing campaigns incorporating body positivity messages. I've seen Lizzo do Calvin Klein and I'll tell you right now that I will never buy anything Calvin Klein ever because if that's how I'm going to look in my Calvins I don't fucking want them I don't want to look like that I don't want you to look like that FYI that's not attractive I think that we're normalizing um unhealthiness it's not healthy it's just normalizing unhealthiness I think it's taken it so extreme that we're we're, body positivity is not self-love it's not about self-love. Body positivity is taking it so extreme that it's inverting um, what is healthy and what's beautiful. Is that because, like, I, I hate to always go back to my conspiracies, but is it to make everybody so unhealthy and unwell mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally? Because if we accept every day, if we wake up and we just accept this is who I am and I'm not going to get any better and I'm just going to eat like shit, look like shit and love myself for it, is that like the the demise of a civilization? Is that when, you know, China comes in to take over? I mean, what the fuck are we going to do? Everyone's just laying on their couch in, in their playing video games, super fat. They're just going to be like, take me to my cube like they don't they're like sure that's fine like is that what this is about because i can't understand for the life of me where things went wrong like it was never okay sure like we learned in the 80s and 90s you don't make fun of people that are fat duh like i'm not trying to make fun of anybody that's fat i've been fat and anybody that knew me as a kid knew that i was chunky and anybody that really knew me knew my mom was a fucking chunker so I'm not here to to judge anybody or say that I'm better than anybody. I've worked my ass off my whole adult life to learn about fitness and health and wellness. And I've come leaps and bounds from yo-yo diets and, you know. Self-hate. Self-hate, of course. I've come so far. But it's hard. It's just hard to see people when you've come so far falling for these ideologies that are just so absurd that all of a sudden it's it's great to be fat and having been fat i know it is not great to be fat i guess today's we're going to be talking more about the reason why we're 
bringing this topic up is because it's taking a whole extreme um, shift uh, and it's it's diminishing, in my views, what self-love and what health actually is. And we're normalizing um, dis-ease, dysfunction, illness, um, under the guise of body positivity. I don't think body positivity is really what it means anymore. I think it's taken <clears throat> a very extreme push into a different direction. Um, and I think the focus needs to come back to what is health and what is self-love. Mm -hmm. I think you scrolled down too far, the top. Yeah. Okay. Higher. The t Yeah. Okay. Okay, so the term body positive emerged in 96 when a psychotherapist and an individual who had been through treatment for an eating disorder founded the website bodypositive.org. The site offers resources and educational materials designed to help people feel good about their bodies by taking the focus off losing weight through unhealthy diet and exercise efforts. The body positivity movement in its current form began to emerge around 2012, initially focusing on challenging unrealistic feminine beauty standards. As the movement grew in popularity, the original focus on acceptance of weight began to shift towards a message that all bodies are beautiful. While body positivity has become increasingly popular, people continue to be confused about exactly what it means. Part of the reason why body positivity is so misunderstood is due to the fact that there are so many different definitions for what the movement means. Depending on who you ask, body positivity can mean appreciating your body in spite of flaws, feeling confident about your body, loving yourself, accepting your body's shape and size. Body positivity also means enjoying the body that you have and not beating yourself up over changes that happen naturally due to aging, pregnancy, or lifestyle choices. I mean, I just, I have a hard time with a lot of this because like accepting your body's shape and size, here's the thing. You can be 180 pounds and accept your body's shape and size, but you don't have to accept it. I mean, you could change it. Just because you're 180 pounds and your body is the shape of a fucking oompa loompa doesn't mean that it has to stay that way and that that's how you're best suited to be. I just, I don't understand that. Like, not everyone's going to be a fitness model. I'm not even remotely close to being in a position to be a fitness model. Okay, but that's not my goal. My goal is to be healthy and to not be a burden on my children and society and my wife and to live a healthy lifestyle. I can I I get the body positivity around appreciating um your body and loving yourself. I get that. But I and feeling confident the the where it starts to teeter for me is that it goes so far to the extreme that we are normalizing obesity and we're we're nobody can say boo about anybody who's overweight now because now it's so extreme that we're seeing like anybody who says anything about health is fat phobic and i think that that is now becoming where we're normalizing being unhealthy. Like I, nobody can talk about being what's healthy anymore or um, going to the gym or eating well or even um, 
our our nation is so obese. Like the United States, we're, like we are unhealthy nations. Mm-hmm. And so why don't we look at the bigger picture and look at, you know, other cultures in the world, other countries in the world aren't our size. We blew up in what, the 70s? Our, our bodies all blew up in size. Like obesity is like normal now in our culture, which is really alarming. Whereas in other parts of the world, you don't see obesity. Like my cousins that live in Hong Kong, when they moved to Canada for university, they would say, can we go to Walmart to see what, like, because there's a lot of obese people that shop at Walmart. And um, I mean, I'm from Belleville and that's where they were visiting. And I'm like, yep, that's 100%. But they don't, they're not used to seeing that. And so they're, they're, it's like culture shock for them coming here because, you know, when I was in Hong Kong, you don't see a lot of obese people. Um, in China, you don't see a lot of obese people. You know, like like South America, you don't see a lot of obese people. So what's different about our nation? We have a lot of processed food here. We have a lot of chemicals in our cleaning products, in our clothing, in our food, in the sprays of the chemicals on, on all of our, our, our on all of our food, we are um, hormonally unwell here because we have so many xenoestrogens, like everything is hormone disruptors for us too. So we are like a very unwell nation. And now we're using body positivity as a way to push how it's okay and that we can accept this. I think we're inverting what health standards are by by pushing this view because I think it's becoming too extreme. Mm-hmm. It's it's like I can remember in the eighties and the nineties the food. Like I remember the change. Mm-hmm. And because my dad was so fresh off the boat and my mom was so whatever here, it was like you could tell that they'd been moving towards the unhealthy diet over the over the over my mom's childhood. Like you can tell that she was already like into McDonald's and hamburgers and ice cream. Like, she worked at an ice cream parlor when she was a teenager. You could tell that in the 60s and 70s, they were already starting to make the push for stuff. But in the 80s and 90s is when it it really, like, you did not see obese people back then like you do now. Mm -hmm. I know that for a fact. Mm -hmm. Like, because I was so embarrassed as a kid to have a mom that was so obese. Because you didn't, that was not that common. Even kids that were fat, like, guys, kids that were fat today are normal. Sorry, kids that were fat then are just normal today. It's just normal. Mm-hmm. But back then, you did not see these roly-poly kids everywhere. Like, you just didn't see it. Kids were, like, rail thin. Like, boys always had, little boys always had kind of those little muscular bodies. They always, they mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. I always remember because mm-hmm. I wanted to be a boy. <laughs> I wanted that body. I was like, oh, man, like, man, I want to be like that. I want to look like my <laughs> brothers. They all had these like, you know, and, and little boys today, 
it's a, unbelievable how fast it changed because now when they stand there, I see them and they stand with this slouch. Do you know what I mean? And their bellies are out. And I'm telling you right now, boys did not have those bellies. And the bellies that I see in children today are the same bellies that I saw from the malnourished uh, commercials and pictures of the children starving in Africa in the 80s. Remember all those commercials mm -hmm. that would come on? Mm -hmm. And all those kids, I'd remember, they'd always have these bellies that stuck out. And I always, you know, thought that was weird because I remember thinking, well, they're like, they're so, it, why wouldn't they be so skinny? Malnourishment. But it's malnourishment. It's yeah. They were eating, they were just eating terrible things like sugar cane mm -hmm. and whatever else. Bloating. And it, yeah. Exactly. It's inflammation. It's bloating. Mm. Um, now, from... From 1999, this is uh, from the CDC, so these are going to be U.S. numbers, a little bit different, but not that much. I think Canadians have caught up to the fatness of Americans quite nicely. Um, from 99 through 2017, um, sorry, from 99 through 2020, the U.S. obesity rate increased from 30.5% to 41.9%. And it's estimated by 2035 that over 52% of Americans will be obese. Say that number again. How much? Okay, so it jumped 10%. Right. So in 1999, there was 30% of Americans that were considered obese. And by 2020, 40, almost 42%. And by 2035, it should be well over 50%. Okay, so obesity-related conditions include heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes, certain types of cancers. Okay, and then the American estimated annual medical cost of obesity. Are you ready for this? $173 billion in medical costs for adults who had obesity. So get this. This is even better. This is my favorite. Let me like, let me rub my hands together for this one. Remember when everybody said that people that weren't vaccinated shouldn't be able to be treated in a hospital because they were a risk to everybody else? Guess what, fatties? You're the risk. You cost the medical system $2,000 more than people with a healthy weight. FYI. So, Next time there's a pandemic, which should be coming, I think, nicely, nice and neatly around uh, a couple weeks, six weeks from now, <laughs> um, it's you fatties out there that are going to be at higher risk of COVID because, I mean, I can go into that too if you really want because I've got notes on that. But basically anybody with a comorbidity of, obes of obesity was four or five times more likely to have COVID. So... I just don't understand the, the, the infatuation, the love affair with obesity. And I think I'm so passionate about, the things that I'm passionate about are things that, that I've experienced. It's why I'm so passionate about trans. Because I would have been the kid 20 years ago that would have been begging my mom to cut my tits off. Because I was so uncomfortable with myself during puberty. That's why I'm so passionate about not allowing children to make these fucking insane decisions. Because they're not ready to make them. And that's why I'm so passionate about these obesity trends. Because I've been fat. I've had, most of my family is fat. Or was fat. Not my Italian side, but my, my English side. 
My grandma, who was like my the dearest person in my life, was always fat. Oh, Jessica, take me for a hamburger and fries. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't love a hamburger and fries, grandma? But you can't eat it every day. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I forget where, where we got this statistic from. It's 90% of disease is related to lifestyle choices. 90% of disease is, is related to lifestyle choices. Now... I know my health is directly related to how I live. So if I'm eating well, if I'm moving, if I'm, um, if I'm active, if I'm mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually well, I'm not at the hospital. I'm not um, getting checked for different diseases. Like I'm, I'm really well. And so when I'm in charge of my own health, if, I'm, if I take responsibility for my own wellness, I am not a burden on our society. I'm not putting, um, I'm not dependent on systems that we also have to pay for. Our tax money goes to all the systems in our society, but I'm not using them. Yeah. So... For anybody that, you know, like, especially during the COVID era when people were um, being really hurtful and mean to those that didn't get vaccinated, but that are not taking care or not responsible for their own health and putting all that burden on our systems in our society, which we all pay into, mm -hmm. It's, mm -hmm. it's so counterintuitive. Like, that doesn't make any sense. I... I had this lady during COVID that um, came up to me in the store um, that gave me a hard time because I didn't have a mask on. She made some snide remark under her huffy, hefty breath. And I remember going and taking a step over to her shopping cart and said, oh, well, while we're in the business of telling each other how to, you know, deal with medical situations, I suppose I can tell you how to eat. And um, all of this in here is making you more susceptible to COVID. And do you think that she liked that? But I thought, you, you think you have the fucking nerve to tell me to put on a fucking mask while you're 300 pounds and all you've got in your shopping cart is ice cream, chips. I didn't see anything that was out from the out exterior perimeter of that, sh of that grocery store. It was all frozen crap. That's a burden to society. How you treat yourself, how you, oh, it's that's, but that's my deal. Oh, okay. No, it's not your deal. Because unfortunately, we live in communist Canada where we pay for everybody's mistakes here. So it's okay for you to tell me how to live my life. But it's not okay for me to have any thoughts regarding how you live your life. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting. My body, my choice, unless that. It's mm -hmm. so funny. No fat person wants to be told A, B, C, or D about why they might be struggling with obesity. But all those fat people had no problem telling me to put a mask on and shut the fuck up and get vaccinated. I guess uh, truth, um, truth carries the highest vibration. Truth is, is light. Like you can't deny what truth is. And anybody who speaks truth and somebody that doesn't want to hear it will deny it, will, um, will project, will spew hate, will um, 
manipulate, scapegoat, whatever, gaslight, whatever truth is that they're not ready to hear. So I think we're also we're also dealing with that. And I think I, I just want to preface a lot of this is not about hating fat people. This is about acknowledging truth and recognizing that how we live is our own responsibility and our, our responsibility is our own health. And our next episode, we're going to be talking more about um, healing and how healing is our own responsibility. And when people get defensive, we have to remember that defensiveness is when we feel attacked. So we take things personally when we feel attacked or we're not ready to even hear truth. So it's easier to go on the defense and fight back when we're not ready to be reflecting something that actually resides within us. All we are, we're fractals of each other. We're all, we all come from the same source. We're all light beings. We're all, we're all just like mirrors reflecting back different characteristics of each other. And if we're not ready to deal with the characteristic that we're being shown in somebody else, we will we'll shut them down, we'll project, we'll manipulate, we'll get defensive, we'll get angry, we'll, we'll battle our own cognitive dissonance, whatever it is, because we're not ready to deal with what truth is. Truth is universal. And I think what we're, why you're so passionate about this is that we're, we're denying truth. Yes, that, that's it. That's, that's exactly it. I, I really can't stand the facade that this charade that we're living in, where up is down, black is white, good is bad. That's what the shadow, that's what dark energy does is that they in, it inverts mm-hmm. what is true. Mm-hmm. And so we have to remember like, when, when we get so overwhelmed by all the information and all these different, you know, social media hashtags, all these different things, in order for you to come back into what is truth for you, you have to sit in silence. You have to be with yourself. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about like our own stories then. So we give a little bit more context to like why we're speaking to this as well, because we're quite passionate about our own health journey and our own relationship with ourselves. because at the end of the day, it's all about self-love. It's all about self-love. And I think the body positivity movement might not fully grasp self-love. You know, like I think, it, I think it's overshadowing what that is under the guise of we're all equal at whatever size we are. And if you say boo about it, you're a hater. So... Just tell me then mm-hmm. what your tell me about your story around being fat, <laughs> you know, like and how you got to like the knowledge that you've the wisdom that you've worked towards because wisdom is your knowledge and it's your experience that over time builds the wisdom. Okay, well, like I like I I did mention and I mostly you know, some people know like my mom my mom battled her weight my whole childhood, and then I my dad is um is and always has been super fit like uh jen i think jen thinks he's kind of handsome like he's he's got like great legs he still has abs kind of eh? he's so fit he's um, how old 72 73 uh like he still has definition in his body it's amazing um so i grew up with this constant battle of like which one of my parents is right? Because my dad was always, 
I mean, no wonder they couldn't they couldn't survive their marriage. I mean, they didn't know how to deal with each other because my dad was obviously being so fit, he cared about health. Like my dad was a fitness nut. He cared about health and wellness 100%. And my mom, the opposite. So as my mom got fatter, my dad got, I don't know what the word is, what the, what the right word is, because I don't know if it was anger or frustration. You know, and I know that feeling because when you're putting so much effort into your fitness and your health and your life building with someone and you, you're watching them throw it away and you understand the importance of health, but they don't, right? That would be really hard. Well, I know for, from my own experience, that's really hard to watch someone. Well, it's value differences. Right. What you hold to be important in your life. And if you're not, if as a couple, you have to have the same values. 100%. So my parents don't have the same values. I'm growing up with, um, you know, in the 80s, the fast food craze, and my mom loves fast food. And now as an adult, I understand. As a kid, I didn't. The programming, I was so, like we were, we just, we ate it all the time. So I grew up battling my weight all through my probably from 12 till early 20s. And then finally in my early 20s, uh, my mom had actually taken control of her health. She was about 40-ish, had a complete nervous breakdown. My parents got divorced. Um, My mom took control of her situation non-medically, like non-invasively, so that's great. I, I wouldn't recommend now what what happened it was just not a great diet but either way um it helped her and that's what mattered so so my childhood I grew up eating terribly high processed foods lots of fast food we drank kool-aid more than we drank water um but I was really active so that's what probably saved me from being obese I probably I think that's what saved all kids in the 80s Because all kids in the 80s really ate like shit and the 90s. But we were the last generation of kids that were locked out of our houses all day long. (laughs) And so we we couldn't really get fat because we were on our bikes all day long. Right? Like we would, I would rollerblade from the east end to the north end on a regular basis and then eat at McDonald's. But I just burned like 8,000 calories rollerblading for two and a half hours. Right? So it didn't really matter. It was outweighing it. Um, But... You know, in high school, I was, my weight was up and down. And by the time I finished high school, it was pretty, it was, it was higher. And I was really unhappy with myself. Um, I tried to be anorexic. It lasted a couple of hours. (laughs) (laughs) I was like convinced I could do it. Like, oh, I can do this. I'm not going to eat. And I I just could never, I I loved eating. So I could never be anorexic. Um, It wasn't until my mom started to lose weight and I watched, I followed the diet the diet in quotations that she was following along. And um, it was a very regimented diet of, you know, I don't, even, I don't even really remember. It wasn't great. It was basically just teaching your body how to count certain things. And anyway, it worked for her. She lost a lot of weight. And um, I'd been working up north and I'd put on a lot more weight I was like lumberjacking. So I'd been eating and, and sawing most days. So it was not, things were not looking good. 
and I was going back to work. Actually, this is funny. I was working in the Bahamas too in the winter that first year. And it was funny because I do understand where these women are coming from, but this is how I know it's ego. Okay. This is why I think I'm frustrated with the whole body positivity movement because when I was pretty, pretty hefty and I went to work the first year in the Bahamas, the, the men, they don't give a shit. Like they don't care down there. They didn't care. They were all over me. And I hadn't, I hadn't had attention like from guys since maybe grade 10 or 11. So it was like, Oh, okay. Like that's interesting. They didn't care. So I get women who are, um, and it feels good. The attention feels good. So I get the women that are fat that are like, I don't care. I don't, they, I don't, they like me anyway. Um, oh, diabetes is calling. Um, <laughs> diabetes Canada. How funny is that, eh? <laughs> Not because I have diabetes, because they want a donation. Um, anyway, uh, so I see why women like the attention and why they say, oh, it's, it's okay. It's okay. It's because there are men that don't care and that's wonderful, but but when you're out there pushing it and promoting it and taking pictures of yourself in bathing suits when, you know, like, come on. And then posting it online and saying, like, there was this girl that posted this picture and she's in a bikini and she's like, this is what I'm going to wear to the pool this weekend. And when I walk in, everyone's going to be looking at me going like, mm-hmm, look at her. And I was like, no, they're not. Like, they're actually not. And if they are, that's not what they're thinking. They're thinking, oh my God, put a fucking one piece on or a cover up or something. They're not thinking that. And if they even are thinking anything, it's about themselves because people are so in their own heads and so stressed out and so worked up about what, they're, what they look like themselves. They are not looking at you as an obese woman and going like, oh, I wish I looked like her and had that confidence. Nope, I'm sorry, but they're not. And the fact that you're saying that on an Instagram post just goes to show that this is your insecurity and that this is you needing an ego boost. You're posting that picture so that you'll have thousands of people write on the comment section about how good you look. So seeking external validation. Thank you for putting it into those wonderful terms. Versus just knowing that you are loved and you are loving of yourself but when we need to have external validation, it means that we there's still lacking. We're still lacking something within ourselves, a relationship with ourselves, because we need something outside Absolutely. of ourselves to feel better. And I can, and I, and again, you guys can all say I'm a cunt and I'm like, oh, I'm such a bitch and I'm so harsh. But you know what? It's only because I've fucking been there. Okay, you go. I've never deleted a picture off Instagram. You can go back and look. I know in the in my in my time, I have posted pictures of myself in bathing suits. Um, and I guarantee you right now that the reason that I posted that was so that you could be like, oh, you look so good because I had an ego problem because I wasn't happy with myself. Even when I looked great, I, I, I was, I, and I still to this day, I'm going to be doing work, but I understand it better now. And I don't need to have the external validation that I once did. I don't want it. I don't want you people to see me in a bathing suit. That's private. That's personal. I don't even like going to a pool. I want to be Muslim and wear one of those outfits now because I just think it's so absurd now that we're all about being naked and showing off our, like it's, I just think- Oh, we've lost self-respect. It's just absurd. Mm -hmm. Like when these, um, the new style of the butt bathing suits came out a few years ago where the ass crack is out, do you know what I mean? For lesbians and guys, I'm sure it's great because everyone's getting a fucking free view of your shit. 
but, but you know, I, I see it and I'm like, I just, I'm not comfortable with that. And I'm glad that it came, that those styles came out after I did a lot of work because I just don't, I just don't understand the need to be showing your yourself to that degree. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't really think that you shouldn't be able to have a bathing suit and go to a beach. I, I'm not saying that. I really don't feel like that. But, but I do feel that, that there, there's so much like over-sexualization of ourself and we're, we're not actually teaching what self-respect is and how to, um, show self-love in that way. It's, um, just taking photos, selfies and, uh, of our bodies and striving to present ourself in a certain manner to get the mm. feedback that mm -hmm. we're looking mm -hmm. for in order to feel mm -hmm. better about ourselves. Yes. If you love it's yourself. It's all ego. It's all ego driven because mm -hmm. we're feeding an identity that we're trying to create. And social media is a big driving force in that is that a lot of people project, a, yeah, it projects a certain image of who you want to be portrayed as, but not always authentically who you are. In the olden days, there was, when there was no Instagram, when you were at the beach, you were who you are. Excuse me. You, you, just, you, you were just who you are. Yeah. And you weren't laying in the beach with a hundred people around you taking selfies of yourself. Like you weren't doing that. You were interacting with people and who you are was who you were, not the picture that you posted later that day. Mm -hmm. It's, it's just pure fakeness. And you know, the respect level of ourselves that this whole body positivity has flipped the script on, like having respect for yourself and love for yourself doesn't mean walking around naked. I don't know how that became one in hand in hand. You know, mm -hmm. you know, like respect to me, self-respect means respecting yourself enough to, to, um, to have self, to have, to be classy. You know what I mean? Well, the more that I connect to my divine feminine, the more that I just want to wear dresses and colorful things. But I also realize how much more conservatively I dress because I'm, mm. I have way yeah. more respect for mm -hmm. my own body. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. I got to say this. Yeah. Like when I first met you, you were always in yoga clothes, tights, which like hot, cool. <laughs> like I'm not going to, I'm never going to argue with that. Um, but you, you dre definitely dressed more um, on the liberal side. Mm -hmm. And over the last few years, you've changed how you dress. It's shifted over time. Mm -hmm. And it's become more conservative. And I find it so much more attractive. The more that I've done my own deeper healing work, the more that I do feel more self-respect. And how I show up in the world is how I respect myself. So how I dress, how I treat myself, how I care for myself, it's all... Um, it's more gentle, it's more mm -hmm. loving, it's more considerate, mm -hmm. it's more mindful, it's more conscious. Mm -hmm. um, when I see people out in public and they're in very, uh, uh, how do I, clad, now I'm going to make one of your mistakes. <laughs> I, I can't even try to say it. This is my, my words are cladly, cladly, Come on, clad. Just, just verbal diarrhea here, so yeah. we can try to scandly scandalous. Scandalous. Yeah, but there's another. There's like a. Anyway, that's part of it. That we're getting there, but anyway, I'll just say scandalously dressed woman. 
I don't, again, like, I'm sure that me thinking this is some, some form of judgment, so that's fine. But it's not like I'm walking past cladly scanned, sk- clad, cladly scanned, <laughs> scandly clad, oh, man, okay. I'm not looking at her thinking, you know, like, I pity her or like, oh, boo-hoo. But I'm thinking, I am thinking, like, I don't think she's very confident. I'm thinking I feel bad that she's so... um discontent with herself or she needs to try so hard that she's stooping to this level of of dressing this way do you know what I mean okay yeah so when I okay when I was um younger I and I was um I was teaching a lot of yoga I was a single how I dressed I was more scandalous is that what you're Scandalous, clad. No, <laughs> no? scandalous and cl- it goes together. Scandalously cl- clad. Anyway, we'll move on from it. Fuck off. Anyways, when I was more dressing more that way, scandally clad. Okay, stop. All right. <laughs> Let me just okay, just go, stop. Go, okay. Get it out. Get it out. When I was dressing a certain way, it was because I was wanting external validation. It was because I wasn't fully self-confident in who I am and felt fully loving of myself it was I was still seeking something outside of myself and when I was doing that I was attracting um, people that were also unhappy with themselves Mm. because whatever we put out we receive back Mm. and like learning ultimately when I was you know going down this healing journey I'm learning how to fully love myself through all things and as I do that, I learn way more self-respect. I, I learn how to treat my body as my temple because this is the vehicle I'm in this in this life. And I learned that it is an honor to be in this body. It is an honor to walk in, in this life every single day. And the practice of gratitude and mm. appreciation and self-respect is all about the relationship. So mm-hmm. how I nourish my body every day, how I nourish my mind, how I nourish my emotions and my spiritual connection, it's all connected to how I show myself love. Wonderful. Okay, so mm-hmm. I don't need external validation in order to fully love who I am. And so I don't need to dress scandalously. I don't need to be provocative. I don't need to... Um, sell my sexuality in order to be treated Mm. or uh, loved by others yeah wow okay Mm -hmm. so let me let me go back to my my fat stories (laughs) my relationship again her fat stories are to all of the rest of us fatties are like not fat well it was fat for me no but do you see what i did there you just shamed it's like, me. It's like no. It's just like the fat. It's like it's just like the fat judging of like how how fat people are even like oh the spectrum of she's fatness. not like like how gay people are like oh she's not fucking gay enough right like me like they wouldn't date me because I'm not gay enough because I'd been with men um, but then fat people are also like they hate the skinny like the people that are less fat than them like okay totally. let, let me put it this way if you're obese you you would be like to an overweight person you'd be like. And hey, well, look at she's wearing today just because she's less fat than you. It's a different category. It's like black people. Black people judge other black people based on how black their skin is. So like if they're more light skinned, then like, oh, well, you don't have as much problems as I do because your skin's lighter than mine. Like yep. it's just so like, come on, you guys. Yeah. So the spectrum. Yeah. So I'm not, I wasn't fat enough to be considered fat for some people, but I was fat in my body yeah for sure yeah i mean we're little people 
Yeah. I yeah, it started before university, but um my my fat journey was all about my like relationship to myself and not being able to cope. I was in constant fight or flight growing up. Like I I remember doing yoga in my parents' basement on VHS and um breathing out. I couldn't breathe out without shaking. And I, I never understood why until I was older. And then I learned more about the nervous system. I was like, oh, I was actually just in fight or flight my entire life. I was constantly stressed. My mom was a worry wart, a worry wart, you know, like that was like a normalized, just normalized thing. But, you know, my family has significant health issues because of all the stress. Um, and so growing up, there was a lot of shame around the body image too with my my maternal side. Mm. Um, even my grandma late into her ages they into her um you know 80s 90s she was still even talking about her body size and um so it was just so deeply ingrained and it was passed down that there was so much judgment around food and body size and um it was just passed down through um shaming around food and nutrition how I dressed and unfortunately like I was in not unfortunately I was in a lot of sports that was individualistic. So I was a dancer, I was a gymnast, and then I was a wrestler. So, and then later on, you know, like weightlifting and stuff like that. So I was always in activities where it was all around my body size. And, you know, a dance teacher Mm -hmm. told me I needed to lose weight essentially to fit into the, to fit into the group um, when I was doing competitive dancing. And then my, you know, gymnastics, it's all around your, your figure and because, the stronger you are, the petite, the more petite you are, the the better you are as a gymnast, essentially. Um, and then wrestling is all weight categories. So I was always in stressful um, body-related um, activities. And on top of that, I was in constant fight or flight. And there was just shame around body image. So it was like, and I was type A competitive this was like the perfect storm for an eating disorder, which I developed in the end of high school. I couldn't cope. I was um, I was struggling because I couldn't uh, get I couldn't lose weight. Um, so I was I was coping a lot with food, um, restricting to um, binging and then um, purging. Like it was like this nasty cycle, and then I would work out like crazy to beat myself up because of there was shame around my relationship with food. Anyways, this like struggling with an eating disorder for several years and then it became part of my coping mechanisms. Um, it's deeply rooted more in shame because it's a shame. It feels like a shameful hidden secret that I had. Um, and I remember doing my yoga teacher training in Los Angeles and one of the girls was so open about her eating disorder that it made me feel so like relieved to talk about it openly. And, um, but learning about, you know, all of our emotions, learning how to love myself and to feel everything that I feel and knowing that it's okay that ultimately what is what freed me of this nasty cycle of relationship with shame and food and my body because I started to learn to love myself. And then I started to learn to regulate myself. And I think a lot of like a lot of our emotions are stored in our body. 
And when I started to get really healthy, it's because I started to learn how to love myself. And that's when I actually started to lose weight. It wasn't around um, doing crazy cardio or restrictive eating or perfecting my nutrition or eating so healthy because that's also, I became so healthy that I was scared to be, to eat anything unhealthy. But when I started to learn like, no, I'm allowed to like be easy on myself and find self-compassion and like learn that I can, I'm not, I'm not imperfect then if I eat, you know, baked goods or whatever, chips, you know, like I learned like, oh, I can actually just like still be okay. The weight actually started to fall off me because I wasn't emotionally storing or suppressing or holding shame in my body anymore. And a lot of the emotional, a lot of body related issues is emotionally based issues. A lot of, um, a lot of our dis-ease, so when our body's not in a state of ease, is um, emotionally stored energy because emotions are energy and motion that we're not releasing out of our body. So Louise Hay, Louise Hay, um, if you don't know her work, she's brilliant. She passed away not that, not that long ago, but her, her work is all around you can heal your own life. And at the end of the day, everything is love. Everything is love. And if we don't love ourselves and all the parts of ourselves that we struggle with, we're going to store it as disease in our body. And her explanations for obesity, or let me write, let me see. She's got it for... It was, it was really interesting. Um, overweight. So she she says all the emotions... Um, the, the root cause of a lot of our dis-ease. So being overweight, she says, is fear, need for protection, running away from feelings, insecurity, self-rejection, and seeking fulfillment. I see a lot of um, obesity, like being overweight, as this um, need for protection. And um, you see a lot of that with um, children that had sexual abuse, that they protect themselves by becoming overweight or um, being a certain, looking a certain way to avoid mm. attracting people. Mm. Um, so yeah. it's, it is a, it's mm-hmm. a survival mechanism. And she's saying that the, the way to heal being overweight is to know that I am at peace with my own feelings. I am safe where I am. I create my own security. I love and approve of myself. Now, the other component that she talks about is um, being fat and how we carry um, fat in different parts of our body and how that's related to the emotional dis-ease. So she says fat issues are oversensitivity, often represents fear and shows a need for protection, kind of similar to overweight. And that fear may be a cover for hidden anger and a resistance to forgiveness. She says that fat in the arms is anger at being denied love. Now, your arms are your defense mechanisms. Think primal. You're, when you are under attack and you need to fight back, you use your arms. And so holding all that anger in your arms, um, it's, it's the opposite of um, healing, right? So it's anger at being denied love. Belly, holding fat in your belly is anger at being denied nourishment. 
And that's where like I I held a lot of my weight is in my stomach. And that's because I like I was uh, perfecting um, nutrition, but I was also denying myself of um, self-love. I was because I was I was so critical. Um, holding fat in your hips, think your sacral chakra. This is where your like emotional center is. This is where the balance of the masculine and the feminine energies resides. And she says it's lumps of stubborn anger at your parents. Hmm. That's rooted right back to your childhood where you learn your emotions. And then in your uh, your thighs, it's packed childhood anger, often rage at the father. That's a lot of your root chakra. Hmm. So a lot of like a lot of our body struggles are because of we're holding, we're suppressing a lot of our own emotional pain. And when we push body positivity positivity into this extreme view that if you don't it, that that there's hashtags now for po- fat positive, we're mm-hmm. actually denying health and we're denying healthy coping. It's also strange that they don't do any teaching to our society on what proper nutrition looks like. Have you ever noticed that? Yeah, are we still using the same old... Um, the food pyramid? The food pyramid. Like, do you remember <laughs> during COVID how it... Like, like we've discussed now that... We know that anybody who's overweight, obese, fat, however you want to put it, are at higher risk for everything, okay? But primarily, like, that was a huge thing for COVID. If you were obese, number one, you were already ticking the major box, okay? Um, But they never talk about or promote anything related to health and wellness. It's always just the same old, same old. They kept all the fast food restaurants open and they closed any little restaurant, bakery, whatever, but drink liquor, smoke cigarettes. And it's just, it's just so interesting to me that the way that you and I eat is like, people think that we're nuts. Like your parents think that we're nuts. Because we eat full fat. And my mom. Like my mom. Lots of protein. So my mom who went from her whole life struggling with her weight and then losing weight and then she has kept it off. Since early 2000s, props to her, she's never gained her weight back. But with that said, she's a beautiful woman who's only in her mid-60s, but because of her obsession with the way that she lost the weight, that's never changed for her. So for the last 25 years, she has had zero, zero fat, very low salt, very little animal protein, no raw dairy, I mean, God no, no raw dairy, but very little even dairy, hates eggs what is she eating like everything that my mom eats is like low fat low fat low salt processed seed oils and 
my point is, is that that's someone who's done, you know, the, the, the hard work to do, but because of what our government teaches, she's not well, she's got anxiety, depression, takes sleeping, has always taken sleeping pills. Maybe high, I don't know if she, if she takes blood pressure medication anymore or not. I don't know that. But, and then the, the, the most probably disappointing thing is that she just looks a little. Frail. Like frail. Like, like you need, you need the animal fat in your body to build the muscles to, for your brain. Your brain needs fat to be able to fire. Yeah. Like when we were, when we were both recovering from concussions, we, we did keto to um to help our brains recover yeah like imagine me trying to recover from my brain injury being a fucking vegan like no wonder i was so sick for those like it just took it just took so much longer because my body just wasn't getting anything that it needed but listen you know i think that i think saying all this stuff but then not giving anybody any kind of idea of how to make changes wouldn't be fair um I just want to add in one thing from Dave Asprey before we... I hope it's the Carby. Yeah, it's about... He did a post. Dave Asprey, he's Canadian, eh? He um, did this post on Carby, more Carby, less Barbie. Um, she's pretty, self-confident, loves tacos, and doesn't care what you have to say about her appearance. Okay. So Dave Asprey is like this giant health nut. He does a lot of biohacking work. And he said, this isn't cool even though I laughed too. I remember weighing 300 pounds. I was ashamed and truly believed that it was because I was eating too much and not working out enough. Even when I starved myself and fetishized that constant feeling of hunger and worked out 90 minutes a day, I was still fat. I felt like it was a moral failing. I, w I was wrong. It wasn't from eating too many carbs like this graphic implies, even though cutting some types of carbs and brief periods of ketosis can help you lose weight. A dysfunctional metabolism caused by toxins, fake foods, hormone problems, and even toxins from nature was the cause. It was not a lack of effort. It was a lack of knowledge. So don't blame obese people for being obese. Trust me, they're working on it. They just don't have the right tools. On the other hand, if we normalize obesity because it's happening so frequently, we also normalize metabolic dysfunction, hypertension, diabetes, cancer, and early aging. We can do better if we are... if. You are where I was and you feel like a failure because your body is heavier and more tired than you want it to be. Know that there are lots of ways to control your biology. Hmm. I think this is like kind of like what we're talking about around um, in order to be well, we have to take full responsibility. And all that we've been doing throughout our healing journey and our work is learning how to eat well. And we try all different varieties. We've tried plant-based. We did keto. We worked on carnivore. We did, um, well, I, and I've, I did, and I did paleo. Mm -hmm. I used to eat yeah. fairly strictly paleo. Yeah. When I, and I think that was a big, that was like one of the biggest learning curves for me was, was CrossFit. Yeah. Was, uh, you know, Joel at West London CrossFit teaching. I didn't really know how to eat. I don't think, I don't think I really knew how to eat. So there was a big learning curve. I, I was pretty shocked mm -hmm. to figure all that out, but I do think that we should talk about this before we go. So we can give people, point them in a direction that maybe they can, um, okay, before we do that, okay. I just want to, I just want to say one more thing. Okay. okay. <laughs> this push for body positivity, we're going in the wrong direction. What we should be 
teaching people around, like kind of like what Dave Asprey says is um, how to rid your body of toxins mm. from your environment, how to eat whole foods mm. and get rid of like the old nutrition. I can't believe we're still following public health orders around that because that is so fucking wrong. Yeah, but don't you think it's also too like that they're... I mean, I, I have a huge problem with this whole accept yourself thing. I, I really fucking do. We should be getting up every fucking day and saying, I'm going to be better today than I was yesterday. I fucked up yesterday, made a couple of mistakes. Today I'm going to try really hard to be better. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we doing that? Like, why why is it that we're just... Oh, I love, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm happy to be right here. I'm happy with this. It should never fucking be that. You should never be satisfied. You should never be satisfied with who you are. You should every day be pushing yourself to be the best version you can be. The best mother, the best wife, the best farmer, the best therapist, the best construction worker, the best weightlifter. You should never be fighting or, or compliant, I should say, with mediocrity. It should always be about being the best version every day. This is why we're full of a world full of pathetic people because we're told that we're we're good, we're special because we're gay and we're special because we're fat. You're not fucking special because you're gay and you're not fucking special because you're fat. You're a burden to society. And you should be better every day and every day you should try to get up and you should try to make a better decision that day than you did the other day. And if you didn't walk yesterday, today you should, even if it's for five minutes. And then the next day it should be for seven minutes. It takes conscious effort to become the healthier, happiest, um, best authentic version of yourself. It takes effort. Every day every it day. takes effort. If you take a if I take a week off, and I'm I'm not gonna say that I never that I'm never bad, because I am. And I feel it and I know it. Well, I wouldn't say you're bad, but I, I'd say you learn when you are not treating yourself well. Like I know like when I every day it takes conscious effort for me to learn to watch when I'm addicted to certain things like I need or I have these attachments to certain things. Like I need my coffee because I, I can feel grounded when I have coffee, right? Like it's learning that we attach our, our needs Mm -hmm. to regulate ourselves through a lot of like things that are pleasurable, like food, right? Like if you turn to a bag of chips because you don't want to feel sadness, that's not okay that you're just hurting yourself. Mm -hmm. So why aren't we as a society learning to heal ourselves so that we don't have to rely on outsourcing things in order to feel better, even though it's not feeling better. It's a temporary band-aid or it's not even a band-aid. It's just avoidance Mm -hmm. that later on in 10 years time is going to be disease in your body. Mm-hmm. because you don't want to deal with what's actually there. So why aren't we helping people cope? Like at the end of the day, we're like coping mm-hmm. and learning how to create self-love, mm-hmm. huge factors. Learning how to clear your home of awful toxins that ruin your hormones, mm. which it's, impact it's, your immune it's system. True. It's true. Your, your health and your weight are, are a combination of so many things like like if, if you're having, if you're using, if you're going, if you're still one of these people that's going to fucking shoppers drug mart to get your household supplies, to get your makeup and your perfume and your body wash and your, you're a fucking idiot. Like there's so many endochrome disruptors and toxins that are contributing to your weight because it's throwing off your thyroid, it's throwing off your hormones. 
right? Like, what are you doing? Like, everything that they are fucking selling you is killing you. Like, I just can't stress it enough. You and your, what you wear too. I know what you're spraying on you is not good. I smell it. It's natural? Okay, never mind. Okay, I take that back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, yeah, my bad. Look, I, I am wrong. Uh, that I can admit when I'm wrong once in a blue moon. <laughs> it's easy because it never happens. Um, so <laughs> there's other toxins in your body we can talk about later. Um, so, there, but there's all kinds of those, the, all those health, uh, all those things that you're putting in around your body, they're all contributing to this, this issue that we're having. Um, and, oh, yeah. If you're into fitness, look, let's just get this out in the open. We are white supremacists. Okay? If you care about yourself in 2023, you are a white supremacist. It, it, it was written in several articles. It must the Guardian. be true. The Guardian wrote a fascist fitness. So I don't know if you guys know Tommy Caldwell. He's a local guy to us. He's from London. Um... I think it's at Tommy Caldwell. Um, he owns a gym. He's he's so knowledgeable about so many things, but he's the one that posted something about this a while ago that I, I couldn't believe because I'd never heard it. Um, but it's it's got a little bit to do with Andrew Tate, I think, and how um, you know he's he's promoting. God forbid anybody out there promote young men to be anything but big fat losers playing video games. And Andrew Tate is promoting that young boys should not be doing that, that they, that, that they should be making themselves desirable for women. And, and you know what? I'm sorry, but he's right. Women don't want a big fat loser that lives in his mom's basement and plays video games all day. They don't. So when these boys complain to him that, you know, I can't get a date, I don't have a girlfriend, I live in my mom's basement. You attract what you put out, buddy. What are you doing to get out of your mom's basement? And when was the last time you lifted a weight? And when was the last time you cooked a meal from scratch and cared about yourself and tried? And this is what I'm saying. Like, so when, when these, when these young men listen to these messages from someone like Andrew Tate, um, everybody gets, it's the perfect, uh, perfect time for these liberal, um, typically white liberal women to write these ridiculously absurd articles about how, if you care about fitness, you're a white supremacist. I'm not, I'm not like, I, I care about fitness. I'm Asian. Yeah, but there's Asian supremacy too. Are you serious? Yeah. Because <laughs> oh Asians are like better than, yeah, because there's like a, there's a hierarchy, right? Oh, there's a spectrum. Yeah. Still. Right. So right. they want black people to think, right. they want, mostly they want black people to put themselves at the bottom to keep them in the victim mentality. And then they want to divide black people against white people and Asians against black people and white people. But did you see the video last uh, where, where was that video that we saw about the guys from, remember I showed it to you, the guys from the 90s? Was this video of these two black guys in Chicago in 1990. And some guy interviewed them and he said to these two young black men, they were like, I don't know, 19, let's say, 18. And they said, hey, what do you guys think about uh, white guys? And they were, their faces were almost like, kind of like they looked at each other kind of funny and they were like, they go like, they straight, we got no problem with, with, white, with white guys. Like they were kind of like, What's your point? Then they walk over to this white guy. He's about the same age. And they said, hey, man, like, what do you think about black guys? And he, he again, he looks at him like, 
What the fuck are you, what's the, he doesn't even understand the question. The question is just so absurd. out of, yeah. And it's pushing you, it's trying to lead you a certain direction. So he's like, he goes, uh, what do I think of black guys? He goes, I don't know, same thing as I think of white guys. They're just, they're just normal people. Like, I don't, I don't get it. And the point of that was, is that in the 80s and 90s, that's what we thought. We really weren't raised to think anything different. Nobody was like I'm. I'm when I say nobody was racist, so you're gonna get mad at me. But like nobody that I knew was racist. You know, my friend Jackie made fun of me because my dad beat me, and I made fun of her because her dad drank. Okay, and you know, you made fun of everybody because you made fun of that kid because he was fat. But then he made fun of you because you had one eye. Like, it's just, it is what it is. Like, everyone just could take a joke and laugh at our idiosyncrasies and our stereotypes. And it, it was just, they've, tr- they've created this, this division for us, for us. They, they, they make these hierarchies of division so that we can divide ourselves up over fat, skinny, fit, not fit, white supremacist, liberal, conservative. It's all just a ploy to have us fighting. Well, and the the article from The Guardian around fascist fitness, how the far right is recruiting with online gym groups and that self-improvement is now political. And, and they're saying that in the, like, it's a negative thing. Like, self-improvement is, is political. Like, first off, self-improvement and getting yourself healthy is your own responsibility. You are responsible for your own health. Yeah. And, and uh, like, to say, like, oh, it's, it's your... You're not. But they're demonizing it, they're though. They're demonizing like, yeah. It's the same as Joe Rogan. Like, I don't even know about Joe Rogan anymore, but but he, they demonized him being a fit, healthy male, right, who was going to do something different during the COVID era than the, the standard quo or status quo, I should say. And so they demonized him, mm-hmm. right? So they demonized Andrew Tate because he's sending a message to young men that they need to be better and healthy and take care of themselves and not, ab- and not, um, not just accept what they are today as their as as their permanent fixture in in this world and to be something that is 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 admired and wanted and so they're taking that message and they're making it and they're demonizing it because they want everybody to be accepting of being less than what they should be accept a tiny house instead of a big house accept a little electric pussy car instead of a fucking dodge ram you know <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Okay, so let's go. We're going to sign off here pretty soon. I'm going to give you some dietary tips from the Wise Traditions, um, which is the westonaprice.org foundation, which if you don't know what Weston A. Price is you and you're not, you haven't turned this podcast off because you hate me by now, you should go there if you're still interested in listening. And that will give you a lot of information on the real way to eat that our that our ancestors ate and why they survived all of these years. The last sorry, now I remember the last three years around um, public health, telling us what is healthy. Remember, was to <clears throat> isolate, stay inside, don't mm-hmm. get sunlight. Vitamin D is not good for you. <laughs> Eating well is not good for you. But let's normalize um, only getting vaccinated because going to the gym is not okay either. Getting fresh air, going to the playground's not okay. Mm-hmm. But let's normalize vaccines. Let's normalize lockdowns, isolation, yeah. lockdowns, 
covering and covering your face. But so public health is, I, it actually doesn't follow what actually it's the health opposite. is. It's, it's, it's inverted. It, it literally is. It's 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 demon. It's demonic. It's, yeah. So it's now crazy. So the West Nay Price. Listen to them. They're they're wonderful. So sorry. Go on. They also have a podcast that you mm-hmm. should also listen to. That's where you can get a lot of great information. But um, just a couple of things, okay? So avoid all refined and uh, all refined foods. Basic. I mean that's that's basic, okay? So no no cereal, like no Cheerios, donuts, French fries, soda pop. Um, you know, white bread, Wonder Bread, TV dinners, anything okay? processed. Um, anything on the inside of the grocery store, really, on the inner aisles is, is a no-go. Um, anything that's denatured. Include animal foods. So chicken, seafood, cheese, eggs, milk. It should be raw, okay? If you're going to do dairy, it should be raw. Otherwise, it's just poison. Uh, red meat, fat, bacon. Oh, my God, please. I eat bacon so much. Bacon and eggs every morning. Um, so good. Okay, so emphasize nutrient-dense foods, uh, organ meats, animal fats, eggs, raw dairy, shellfish, fish liver oils, and fish eggs. Eat some animal food, raw, and then cook most of your plants. Enjoy lacto-fermented condiments and beverages. So, you know, kombucha. Um, you know, do your own. We, we do mostly Jen. Like, Kimchi, let's face it, but sauerkraut. Jen makes all of our condiments. Our, our, we did ketchup and, and barbecue sauce last night. Um pickles dill pickles bread and butter do all of that you can have all of that um but basically enjoy saturated fats when they tell you don't eat it's so funny don't eat fat it's like what that's what your brain needs to function and your fat is is like eating fat oh man there's just so many wrong messages that are out there Mm -hmm. it's just crazy and we know it because we've been through them all mm-hmm. get um, ghee make your own homemade ghee ghee's um a fr- um clarified butter so you just boil it down and clear off all the lactose and the impurities and then you can <clears> cook <throat> it at high temperatures keep it on your counter wonderful for you okay ready use refined salt liberally um so which means like if you if you can get your hands on like himalayan sea salt and which you which you pretty easily can like there's no limit. Magnesium. We our bodies salt. need it. Like, like you know, we grew up in an era where your parents would say, like, no salt, limit the salt. My kid grabs the salt and it's like, go ahead. Like, like she can't good. get enough salt. Like, lick it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, your body mm-hmm. obviously needs it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and then I can also, this one is, um, how do you say that? Like, gelatinous. Gelat- gelatinous. Okay, so this is interesting because I can remember one time a girl saying, um, do you know that gelatin comes from a horse? Or something like that. Horse hooves? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, oh my God, probably one of the reasons I became a vegan. Because I listened to what retarded people say without doing my own fucking research. Um, and now I know all about it and like where it comes from. And, and like, why is that wrong? Now that I'm in the business of being a farmer, you want to use every part of that animal from nose to tail. Mm-hmm. And if that comes from within that animal... And, you know, that's a natural way to get uh, gelatin into soups and stoops and gravy. But but you think I should go to the store and buy one that they made in a factory? From what? You think it's any better? Like um, the substitutes? You know what I mean? Yeah, like people will buy powdered... Um 
what's uh, it's for your joints. Mm, collagen. Collagen. But you can like bone broth. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It has natural collagen. Like it's. But it's funny though that they'll 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 pound that back, right? They'll pound collagen back, but you can't have gelatin because it like it's just. So you can, but that's a. You're literally, it's detaching you from your food source and understanding where it actually comes from and then to eat whole. I'm going to make this really simple on you. Eat anything that grows naturally and anything that's an animal and you'll be fine. And everything else that that they told you is a lie. Being a vegan is a lie. Being a vegetarian is a lie. Eating fake meat is a lie. Eating low fat. You're not going to get skinny. Hi, Lizzo's, by the way. Big Fat Lizzo is a vegetarian. That should be your first fucking clue. Is she really? Yeah. But she might even be a vegan. Hmm. Like, that should be your first fucking clue that something's wrong. Like, yeah, she be eating all right. A lot of fucking bad shit. It's really unhealthy role model for our kids. Yeah. Okay. Well, well I'm... We'll uh, there. Yeah, we're going to leave it there. And uh, look, you know... Being fat has made me want to help other people. So if you took this, you know, if, if I offended you, good. Because you probably need to fucking pull your shit, pull your fucking socks up and get your shit together. With love. <laughs> With love. Lizzo is a vegan. <laughs>